Hey there, humans. Welcome to Sinister Soup, the podcast where we discuss genre fiction through the lens of literature, film, and ridiculous conversation. I am one of your hosts, Clay Vermolum. And I am your other host, Travis Vermolum. And today we are going to start with our first segment, Bring Some Culture, as we always do. Uh, Travis, what's Bring Some Culture and what are you bringing? Uh, Bring Some Culture is just our way to, you know, bring culture in whatever form that may be. No, in all seriousness, we just like to purvey the internet, um, peruse, purvey, I think, peruse. I'm an English major, this is embarrassing. Anyway, we like to look around the internet and try and find fun things regarding genre fiction, creative outlets, donations, um, really just any kind of artistic expression, uh, whether it be like helping artists or actually artists doing their thing and bring it to you and hopefully either uplift some independent artists or just show people some things that are actually popular, but they might not have heard of them. That is Bring Some Culture. And this week I have a Spotify artist. Well, she's on Spotify, YouTube, probably Apple Music as well. She's an artist, singer, solo artist, who is named Lily Ferfero, I think is how you pronounce her name. But she's really cool and kind of has a unique thing in that all of her songs are about the popular live Dungeons and Dragons show, uh, Critical Role. She writes songs about the characters, but the way she writes them, you don't have to be a fan to like really enjoy the lyrics. They're very like, like she keeps them kind of vague where you could just be listening to the story of basically anybody, like a cool kind of written poem about just the character she's thought of. But if you're a fan of the show, they become like that much cooler because you hear all these little things she's dropped of like, oh, this is Caleb and oh man, this is Jester, that's so cool. And she's a very talented musician. Her voice is amazing. She plays all her songs on just a acoustic guitar. I just think it's kind of cool that she's provided this art for people who maybe don't even watch the show or even like it or know about it. You can listen and still enjoy her songs, but if you are a fan, the, her songs like elevate that much more of like, oh, this is a cool little piece of art just for fans of Critical Role. Cool. Gives you that feeling like when you've seen a band live, they're mm -hmm. like 10 times better every other time you hear them. Yeah, exactly. Or worse. Or worse. Depending on how they were live. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she would be the better, the better part. Nice. Cool. Well, that sounds pretty fun. Her songs are just great stories. And even if you don't know the characters like as intimately as the fans of the shows do, you'll still like get some really cool music out of it and a cool story. Sounds good. I'm going to bring this week kind of a simple thing, but something that I really appreciate. It's a Instagram page called Meet the Bookstagrammer. If you're a writer like me, then you know that bookstagrammers have the potential to be your best friend. <laughs> um, because they will read your book and they will review your book unlike all your author friends <laughs> who will say yeah I'll totally read your book but usually authors are far too wrapped up in creating their own books to read yours and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just as bad as anyone else I've, I've got like three or four manuscripts you know that who knows if I'll actually read them sorry 
to all my friends who have given me their manuscripts. <laughs> um, You're outing yourself in this. I'm outing myself culture. completely, yes. I am not a bookstagrammer, but I really do appreciate bookstagrammers, and uh, I follow and am followed by several of them on Instagram. And so this Meet the Bookstagrammer page is just a page completely dedicated to creating a bookstagrammer community where they can introduce themselves, uh, share their profiles, and share book recommendations, book reviews, stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of like a little subreddit. sort of has that feel where it's just a page dedicated to that community. Again, if you're a writer or just an avid reader, that, and, and if you like to share the stuff you read, I think it's a great page for you. That sounds awesome. And I mean, yeah, like the way to promote a book these days kind of seems to have completely gone virtual, like most things. I mean, half the books I've found from the fantasy genre that I really love reading come from either Bookstagram or TikTok or book, Booktubers. Mm -hmm. Like that is, those people can like make or break your promotion. It's cool to see authors and Bookstagrammers that are just trying to promote things and being polite online because you see a lot of the opposite. And those authors usually in this day just sink because when you're rude to your online presence, it's just like, okay, well then I'm going to stop reading your books. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I like any, any page that's dedicated solely to, you know, it's not like a promotional. It's just, it's just about sharing mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. books and people who love books giving them a place to to do that. So I think that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. All right, so that was some culture. It's been brought by us. Woohoo, brought some culture. Yeah, it, we done brought it. We and now it. we're going to move on to what we've dubbed the uh, meat of our podcast, assuming mm -hmm. you're not a vegan and, and you base your meals around meat like we Montanans do. Indeed. If we you are uh, again, this is the protein broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the broccoli of the podcast. The beans of the podcast. Yeah, this is the legumes <laughs> of the podcast yeah. for the vegans out there. This in this one where this is our uh, forced entrollment, where we're going to roll two d twenties. Um, the higher roll debates that the movie or book we are reviewing is awesome and the lower role debates that the movie or book we're reviewing sucks regardless of how we actually feel about it and uh travis came up with a new piece of this segment you know if it's going to be your protein make it as hearty as we can so we're going to add a, a fun new piece of the segment travis why don't you explain your new segment piece and then you can go ahead and lead in with the synopsis of what we're reviewing this week as well. All right. This week we are reviewing one of the most prolific American fantasy series of all time. The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan. And I introduced that first because the new segment we are going to be doing is a trivia question. One or the other of us will ask one or the other of us a trivia question each week. The asker will ask the question about the specific book or series we are talking about, and the answerer has to get it right. If they get it right, they get advantage on their roll. If they get it wrong, the asker gets advantage on their roll. So that will be the new segment. And for those of you who don't play D&D &D or 
dice rolling games, advantage means you get to roll twice and take the higher of the two rolls. So you got a way better chance of winning the roll. Indeed. So I'm going to give a quick synopsis, though, of the Wheel of Time for those of you who may not have read it. It is a massive series. 14 books in the entirety of the series. I think the shortest book is 667 pages or something like that. Mm -hmm. That is the shortest book. It's (laughs) absolutely colossal. It is a huge series. Um, And Robert Jordan kind of takes the standard hero's journey. Um, Farm Boy is the chosen one story. Um, very similar to the classics, uh, the Tolkien classics, or many of the fantasy series you've read. But in his first book, he sort of starts to change it and expand upon his world and show the more sort of dark side of becoming the Chosen One. And he follows a expanse of characters. But the main, I would say main five, are Rand, Althor, Perrin, Ibera, uh, Matt Coffin, Nynaeve, Almira, and Egwene. Yeah. Alvir. Egwene, Alvir. I, um, I would have to say Elaine. Yeah, Elaine, well. Elaine Trackend comes in later and definitely becomes one of the, the six, as well as there's just a vast. But, there's a lot of characters, but like I'd say those are the three main male characters, and then there's three main female characters because he's very into balancing gender. Yes, I would agree with that. So it just really, you can't say much without spoiling a lot, but the series is essentially the hero, chosen one, dealing with a lot of political machinations in a world that he has to unite to fight the dark, evil one um, eventually. And he has to bring a bunch of different countries and worlds and cultures together all while fighting madness and trying to control this really crazy magic system that involves sort of this weave of magical energy that people can use can be kind of conduits for called the one power yeah that is the wheel of time in a nutshell uh i'd like to add one more thing to that um it's called the wheel of time because it's based on that uh hindu idea that time is a wheel instead of a linear linear path yeah so everything that has happened will happen again and has happened before and then there's also alternate universes which is unique in in those in most classic fantasy uh, fantasy stories are they're usually like more polytheistic or even monotheistic but this story doesn't really have gods mm-hmm. god quote unquote is known as the wheel and the wheel is just time and existence so i i think that's important to note about the wheel of time as well it's based on a more eastern philosophy i would very much agree and i think i missed it just because to summarize a 14 book series like this is like what oh yeah it's It's, again Um, no you're not gonna you can't summarize it especially not without spoiling things indeed we will get more into what we think about it after First, the trivia question. Are you prepared, Clayton? I've been reading them. All right. Well, question for you comes from, I believe, book four. Matt Coffin, uh, when he visits the Aelfin, the sort of snake people in the Mm -hmm. portals, um, what are the three questions that he asks 
to have an answer. Oh, Matt's three questions. Mm -hmm. I will give it to you if you get two out of three of them. Mm, that's a good one. Mm. Who's the daughter of the nine moons? Okay. And why do I have to marry her? And why do I why do I have to die? Okay. Yeah. That's the only two I can think of. I'm also I'm not sure if I'm thinking of the right people because he he visits the snake people through the portal right but then he visits the fox people when they go to the Aiel city uh i think it's the other way the fox people through the first one and i think when they go to the Aiela city is the snake people but i might be you might be correct i'll say you got yeah, you got two. Because he talks to two different things, there actually is, like, basically four questions. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give you the advantage because you got close. He does ask, why will I die if I do not go to Ruidian? So that is definitely, like, why do why will I not die? Or why will I die? Mm -hmm. And he does ask, like, what fate are you talking about? Which is a reference to the daughter of the nine moons. So... Oh, well, I shouldn't get it then, because Roydeon is where he meets the fox people. Yes, right. And I know that for sure, because that's when he gets the fox head medallion and the spear. Yeah, yep, you are correct. Yep. Um, And that's when he asks the Daughter of the Nine Moons, because he learns about the Daughter of the Nine Moons from the snake people the first time. Okay, so yeah, you got one right. Why will I die if I do not go to Roydeon? Yeah, right. Roydeon. Uh, the other two were, should I go home to help my people? Oh, yes. And why should I go to Roydeon? Right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so I get advantage. You get advantage. Let's roll. You win no matter what. Oh, yeah? <laughs> That's two, that two nat ones in a row, man. Man, I didn't even roll to... that. I didn't even roll that good with advantage. I got a 10 and then 11. Ugh. These dice yeah. are, this dice is sucking for me lately. Gotta change up dice, bro. All right. I guess so. Man, I'm so glad I won. Um, the Wheel of Time is going to forever hold a special place in my heart because it reignited my interest in fantasy. A lot of people probably have had the similar experience where you go to like undergrad studies or college and you read so much in your subject that you kind of like lose your interest in reading for pleasure. And I had, I was in that, I was in that slump for a long time. And I finally had somebody suggest picking up the wheel of time and I did, and I'm back. Like I read fiction all the time now. But one of the reasons I think is because the character development in this series is some of the best I've ever read. Robert Jordan takes his time and that is like so good for his series because what he starts with is a cast of pretty cookie cutter characters you have like the rogue the farm boy who's like the moral compass you have the kind of quieter grislier ruffian like blacksmith's son you have the daughter who's supposed to marry the moral compass the gandalf character and moiraine but like throughout the whole series all of their personalities grow and develop and change through turmoil and it's you get this just expansive list of characters that start one way 
and are become like totally different people but stay the same in some ways i've never read a series before where i started the series with my least favorite character who is now my favorite character i hated matt coffin in the first two books <laughs> but by yeah book, he's he's a douche but by book nine he is my favorite by far because of how much he grows as a character and i think that is such a testament to jordan's style and the other thing i'll say as an opening argument is his world building in my opinion is unparalleled um i have never read a series with more like cultures more uh nations that are just so fully fleshed out that you feel like you could just visit them on a tourist destination um he's got all of his stuff cued and you can tell that he's just lived in this world in his head for so long and that's why the series is so long because he has so much to tell you and i really appreciate his characters and his world i can hate on wheel of time all i want but the world building is pretty pretty impressive he has definitely done his historical research. I mean, I, I feel like he based most of his world building on just real places. Um, he came up with names and came up with the map and, and all that. But at the end of the day, he did a good job of doing his, his historical research. So I'll give him that. Um, the thing that I don't like about the Wheel of Time, the thing that bothers me the most about it, is how much we have to hear about like gender roles and gender differences it mm -hmm. is constant like battering me over the head with it um a woman can never be in the same room as a man with if you're in the woman's head without that woman being like men and then if there's ever a man in a woman in a room with a woman <laughs> a man and a woman if there's ever a man in a room with a woman they're gonna be like women are mad that's just all there is to it and you just hear it I probably a thousand times I stop I try to stop paying attention to it but I really can't because it's just you just beat over the head with it and oh my god can we stop having Nynaeve chapters <laughs> I hate Nynaeve uh... so much <laughs> so much why am I not surprised that's your least favorite character because she's so annoying. She's <laughs> so annoying. And I don't have a problem with, like, a strong female character. I have a problem with Nynaeve. Because she just... I don't think she does develop, personally. She never really changes. She's just always, like, snotty. Always arrogant. Always unwilling to, like, listen to any sort of reason. Um, the only time she, like, starts to develop is when she gets scared by, uh, Mogideon for a little while. Mm -hmm. But that kind of just goes away, eventually. And then she's just back to being the way she has always been, ever since she was in the Two Rivers. Because she was, like, in charge of the women's circle there. And now she just thinks she's, like, the best thing ever invented. Yeah. And she's just, like, ugh, she's just insufferable. I just can't <laughs> stand her. Egwene grows a lot. Elaine grows a lot. Um, many of the other women in the series grow a lot. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the Aiel woman's name. Uh, Avienda. Avienda, yeah. 
she even grows quite a bit because she has to like expand her horizons quite a quite a lot when she leaves the Aiel to adventure around with Egwene and, and Nynaeve. Yeah, I guess that's my biggest problem. Like, I'm I'm just so sick of hearing about like men. I just I'm just really really think it's overdone. I can, like I can see that. My my counter to it is I think he created a world and where that is like a huge thing i mean their entire magic system is based off like men cannot use this or they will go mad and die women can use this and should and we need to bring all of the women who can to this white tower i think like he's he's displayed well this culture that if that is the that prominent in the way your culture actually functions like as you know, in like a government, then that probably is in the minds of a lot of people. Probably is a little overdone. I'll agree with you there. But I think that there's a reason he he kind of overdoes it. And that's to establish that they've lived in this like gender split world for so long that it, it just constantly is in their thoughts because that's what they know. Well, I think that, I mean, literally it's called the power. So the power represents power, right? Mm. And how it affects people. So obviously Robert Jordan seems to be of the mind set that a, like a matriarchy would lead to a more um, stable society maybe mm-hmm. or that women handle power in a very different way, which is more productive. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily disagree with him on that. I, I think that I like a lot actually that he puts so many women characters and so many powerful women in his story. I'm not harping on that. I'm just harping on the fact that, like, how many times do you have to tell me something in a book before you'll let me, like, get it mm. and move on from it? Okay, that's You know, that's I mean, fair. authors who do that and don't write a good book are, like, super harshly criticized on this, but Robert Jordan gets away with it because there's so many other appealing aspects of his work. Yeah. But, like, it's still the same thing. It's still repetitive. It's still dull, and it's annoying. And, frankly by the hundredth time I've read it, it's a little bit insulting to me as a reader. I'm like, okay, I, I know what Nynaeve thinks about men, Robert. Can we, like, can Nynaeve develop as a character or is she just going to be this character the entire series? Because she's never changed. I, I would say I don't think he does develop all his characters as good as he does others. Because I also don't really feel like Perrin changes much as a character. Perrin just kind of is, like, the blacksmith's apprentice and all he ever wants to be is a is a simple man simple blacksmith he's like the classic brute archetype of the group the powerhouse he's the powerhouse archetype see i i disagree because i think he also develops this like sharp keen mind for like military strategy um that he really displays especially in two rivers battle and he like struggles internally with this does he want to just be a blacksmith or like is there this part of him that actually loves being a warrior and i think to your to your point with Nynaeve, i think robert jordan's done a great thing and that some of his characters take longer because those people in reality would take longer to develop and beer of the week beer of the week, beer of the week. all right um what are you drinking well i don't know if you've heard of this pristine fine brew um it's really, you know, independent, really under the radar, bro. I don't think you've ever heard of it, man. It's called Paps Blue Ribbon. Oh, <laughs> uh, so 
it's award-winning yeah it won an uh, award at nice. one point in time at like a science fair <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know i wonder where past blue ribbon did get that that blue ribbon i i knew that at one point i looked it up it was some like beer contest in america and they were so proud of it they just named their beer that yeah it's like the first beer america ever managed to make or something yeah or something like that but pbr that's what i'm having i'm not i'm boring today well i'm drinking a white river saison from ferment brewing company yeah that saison is a nice light golden ale it's kind of like my favorite type of beer right now so nice ferment is usually really good so i have high hopes here we go Well, it's a PBR. Yeah. It's affordable, and it, in my opinion, tastes better than Bud Light. So, I agree. Better than most of like the beers that are the same price. Yeah, you got me on Rolling Rock, though. I've Rolling seen Rock's good, a lot, too. I like Rolling Rock. Mm-hmm. Those are the two best like mega-cheap beers, mega in my cheap opinion. Yeah. Uh, this beer is delicious. White mm. River Saison. So if you like Golden Ales or... You know, like Pilsners, light, light, easy drinkers. I've been really impressed by most of the saisons I've found. Some of them are a little more like reddish or lagerish, mm-hmm. but most of them, if they have that golden color instead of like a reddish color, are right up my alley. Really tasty. Right. Yeah. All, All right. right. So what? What are we? I guess uh, the loser talks about how they actually feel. Yep. How do you actually feel about the wheel of time? Oh, it's it's great. I mean, it's it's it is uh, as historic as it is in the fiction genre for a reason. I mean, it launched the career of Brandon Sanderson as well. Mm. Yeah, not completely launched it. He was obviously big enough that they thought of him to write it. I feel like after he wrote Wheel of Time, he just completely took off because he was able to pick up that torch and and carry it to the finish line. Mm. And that's just a monumental task. I couldn't imagine being able to do something like that yeah not even after like five books like after 11 books yeah <laughs> like robert jordan was in his own world for 10 to 11 books and was like here you go brandon finish yeah. the last three good luck kid <laughs> yeah and and he totally did it uh and robert jordan obviously had set him up for success because mm-hmm. The books are fantastic. Uh, the characters are superbly developed. Uh, my points I argued against, though, I, I meant them. I Except for Perrin. I do think Perrin's well-developed. and I, I do think Nynaeve is developing well as well. But she does... I agree with your point. Uh, she takes a lot longer. But yeah. there's definitely points in the story where she has to adapt and change. and Like when Mogideon freaks her out and then... You know, when she she's trying to get past her block, which is hard for her. Mm-hmm. She reacts to it much the same way as she does to everything, which is by being snarly at it. And when she's in, like, the circus, that was a good kind yeah, of section. Um, she does drive me nuts, though. She's such an infuriating character. I love that you brought up a lot of the things you do, did, though, because it, it leads me to one of my favorite things that isn't even related to the books about the Wheel of Time. This is one, and... There's probably people out there that are going to be like, wow, what fan base are you talking about? But from what I've encountered and from the people I've met online, 
this is one of the least toxic fan bases I've ever seen in fantasy. Mm, mm -hmm. Like every Wheel of Time fan I've talked to, when I point out the flaws, they're like, oh yeah, man. Like he talks about women's chests way too much. And if Nynaeve, Definitely. Tugged, her, if Nynaeve tugged her braid as much as she says, like she wouldn't have hair. <laughs> <laughs> every fan I've met of Wheel of Time is like, oh yeah, there's parts of it that are really overdone and kind of suck, but we love these series and like, we're never gonna let them go. And I just love that because there's so many toxic fan bases where mm -hmm. you cannot say a bad word about these books or else people are like, you just don't understand it. Wheel of Time, I have not encountered that yet. That's good. Yeah, that was like one of my other points that I didn't quite get to because we only have 10 minutes, but definitely like that old joke about men writing about women mm -hmm. and then it's like her breasts boobed uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, chestily mm -hmm. as she walked down the street, you know? Um, yeah. it's so he talks about cleavage and uh, bosoms entirely too much way too much <laughs> way too but much. to his credit uh, over half his characters are female and those female characters are not just there as wallpaper they are some of the most powerful and important and influential characters in the story and different kinds of power, which I really think is awesome. You see a lot of young adult fiction, especially that's just like a powerful woman has to be like headstrong archer lady. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, that's not the only kind of power. Like women are just, they're people. Men and women are people. So like there's different kinds of powerful people. Why do mm -hmm. you just narrow in on one? And I think Robert Jordan does a great job of like, there's the naive who is headstrong and like furious all the time. But then there's like Elaine who is grew up in a royal court. So she's much more attuned to like getting her way through like uh, diploma diplomacy and talking and like figuring out what people are feeling and playing this game with words. And then you have Avienda who's just straight up like a berserker Viking lady. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, I like the difference between like the Aes Sedai and the wise ones. Mm -hmm. they're very similar in their cultures they have like a high standing place um they wield the power pretty much with impunity they command a tremendous amount of respect uh even outside of their cultures but the wise ones have a completely different approach to magic because they're in a totally different culture mm -hmm. and therefore they're a totally different like cast of powerful mm -hmm. women you know mm -hmm. I also love how he uses the world of dreams. That's very cool. Yeah, it is. And like how every character kind of has their own like moment of, oh, this is my thing. Like Nynaeve has healing, Egwene has the world of dreams, and Elaine is literally like making magical artifacts like it's a breeze. And the same yeah. with the men, like Matt and Perrin and Rand all have their kind of moments of like, oh, this is my thing. This is where I flourish and... I've found my sort of calling. Mm-hmm. They've all got their class mm -hmm. that they eventually find. I really like Rand's development, too. He's not even my favorite character, but I love that Jordan took the Chosen One and is, like, putting him through hell. Oh, yeah. Like, Frodo gets put through hell, yeah, but, you know, he's always got Sam kind of to carry him, and Rand is 
for the most part, like kind of separates himself from people. He's like if Frodo would have never went back or Sam would have never came back up the mountain to like help him against Shelob. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, if Frodo just was like, no, screw everybody. I will kill you if you stay with me. I need to go out on my own. And like, you watch him just like, oh, that's the wrong move, bud. Cause you're literally going mad. <laughs> yeah. Also, if Rand or if Frodo had an entire, if Sauron was talking to Frodo yeah, on a the whole time. regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just in his head 24 seven. I love when Luce there starts to show up. Because mm-hmm. he show he doesn't really show up to like book seven, but by the end of book seven, he's there all the time, and mm-hmm. it happens that fast. In Robert Jordan's world, that's unusual mm-hmm. for things to ramp up that quickly. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic series. There's so much to like about it. It does some great things of like again, it really does flip gender roles on their head, which is cool. You don't see mm-hmm. that too often in fantasy. No. Women don't have to be magicians to be powerful. You've got like more gays, who's an extremely powerful and influential woman, and she's just a normal human woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, Beryllane, Beryllane's another good example. Yep, mm-hmm. highly influential woman, and of course the Spear Sisters. Oh yeah, the Aiel are awesome. The Aiel are cool, but yeah, I I don't know how much else I would want to say about it. It's you should definitely read it. So I don't want to spoil yeah. spoil the whole story. You've got everything you could want in it. You've got, uh, like, your main protagonist is a powerful mage who's got another powerful mage living in his head, ranting at him all the time. Uh, you got your classic rogue archetype uh, with Matt Coffin, who he's not a typical rogue, though. No, Uh, he's not like a thief or an assassin. He's a battle commander. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that. I like how Robert Jordan describes that as the biggest game of gambling possible is a battle. You know, like, why isn't a gambler a general more often? And every time every time he knows he's in danger, there's like the dice rolling in his head. And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, no. (laughs) When he starts to feel the dice rolling in his head, it's like, well, (laughs) <laughs> something bad about here that. comes some trouble i will say too as you're naming archetypes i think i neglected to say one of there's definitely six main characters because i think moiraine is you she needs to be in there and she's your standard like gandalf but that's another cool thing is jordan made like the gandalf powerful wizard mentor uh, a powerful witch mentor a woman and she like shows up and is this guide for our main characters for i think at least six books uh five or six yeah five or six books and she's like a huge influential part of the series moraine's awesome she like is everything that it means to be aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. moraine's like the epitome of aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. really just it's a daunting task but it's a highly recommended um great series there's something for everybody there if you're willing to take on yeah just a lot of pages (laughs) lots of pages uh i will say too the audiobooks are supremely well narrated uh michael kramer and kate redding are two just you know platinum pros of the audiobook narration world if you don't know that already if you've listened to audiobooks i guarantee you've listened to them before uh they're very prolific and very good 
I, Michael Kramer's ability to seamlessly transition between characters is is insane. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best narrators I've ever heard. Um, and Kate Redding does a great job as well. They're married, by the way. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Neither did I. My friend Cameron told me that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You should definitely, if you if you aren't a, even if you don't want to read the books, it's pretty easy to plow through the audiobooks because they're extremely entertaining. I've been doing that while I'm at work because I'm reading a bunch of other things, but I cannot put the wheel of time down. So I've been listening to the audiobooks on my drives to work and while I'm there alone in the morning doing prep. Yeah, that'll be a wrap up for our show. I think that's a show, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. All right. So make sure to check out meet the bookstagrammer on instagram and on spotify apple music or youtube look up lily for pharaoh for some good music that is even better if you're a critical role fan you spell it um l-i-l-l-i-f-u-r-f-a-r-o as always i have been one of your hosts travis vermolum and i've been clay vermolum we are both still those people <laughs>